All right, if you have your Bible, I have two of them up here. That's because when you go into battle, you need a lot of swords. You just gotta put that out there. A harbor. Here at our church, we do the Bible decree, and so we start off our service right before the message, proclaiming that we love the Word of God. You can turn me down just a little bit in the monitors and in the mouse. Thank you. And and knowing that we have the Word of God, that is what we use as our our light unto our feet, and it's a lamp, and it provides what we need as Christians. Are you thankful to have the Word of God? So let's hold it high and let's say this together. This is my Bible, God's holy word. I will make it a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. I will hide its words in my heart that I might not sin against God. Hallelujah. I love proclaiming the word. I opened up my Bible yesterday and I said, dear Lord, how I love your pages. Look at this. And I think it's getting worse. And, uh, but I love that, to know that I've had this thing for 30 years. And, uh, and that it's served me well. And so I'm thankful for that. This is part two of a message series that I started last week called Dare to be Different. And how many of you would say here today that you're a little different? All right. For most of you that didn't agree with me, you are different. You're strange. You're weird. So am I. You know, remember, you guys remember the time I, I love... I, and we always say that I'm so glad to be part of the misfit group. And, uh, you know, uh, what, yeah, the little Christmas story where there was a bunch of misfits, you know, the, the land of the misfits. And so why is it that today in America that people are looking at Christianity and they're saying to us, man, they're strange. They're a little different. Well, let me tell you something. If you have the power of his great name and you're a child of the most high God and you are anointed, you are highly favored and you are separated and God loves you, then guess what? Be a little different. Hallelujah. We all need to be different and that's what life's about. I love being a Christian. I love being different. I like not being a part of the world. And even though I went this past week, my wife was saying to me, oh, honey, please go get your hair cut and get that part in there because you look fine. Well, I, so I went and did it, even though sometimes I feel a little different. That's not how she said it. I added a little bit of humor to that. And, uh, but you know, I thought it, I thought it went well, you know, but you know, sometimes we do things that are different and that aren't always normal for so many people. And last week when we kicked this off, we started talking about servant leadership. We started talking about having faith, living a life that's in faith you know, relying on God to say, you know what, God, I need you, you know, and we're not going to go deep into this. But, you know, as I was putting together this message, my thought was this, you know, dare to be different. The first thing that came to my mind when you say dare is truth or dare. And, you know, growing up, you know, people would say, let's play truth or dare or what have you. And, you know, why is it that we hesitate when they all of a sudden say, okay, do you want to take the dare or are you going to tell the truth? And so many times, many of us will, will all of a sudden say, I'll take truth, but we hesitate saying that. Why is that? Why is it that we say we walk in Christ, we live our life in Christ, we are Christians, and yet, watch this, we hesitate telling the truth. And so we take the dare because we feel like it's achievable for us. 
But in all reality, the, the people that are in that group or in that game will have you do something that may not be comfortable for you. Be very, very careful. I really believe that's what the enemy is doing to each and every one of us. He plays these games of truth or dare. And he dares us to take a step of faith. And in our life, life is about faith. Christianity is about faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things. Okay. <laughs> All right. I know that. See, today we've got the shirt. And uh, Van is here today with, with the shirt that says, Can I get an amen? <laughs> I love that. That's awesome. And uh, so, you know, I just have to say that, you know, I said Van are from Wheel of Fortune. Just that just didn't sink inside of you. But anyhow, um, but you know, we realize that we're different and that we walk different, we talk different, and we should. And the very first thing that we talked about last week was what? Having faith. Living a life in faith. I asked you, is your faith making a difference in you? Is your faith making a difference in the lives of others? Do people see that you exhibit faith in your life? It's so hard. I mean it with all sincerity. And I want each and every one of you to know that if you're living a life of faith and God is really just starting to, to grab a hold of you and you're doing things you've never done before, well, praise the Lord. Because now you're stepping out by faith. You are actually living what you hear. See, so many people, their walk doesn't match their talk. And they, they don't want it. You know, they're afraid. They're afraid of the outcome. So we look at Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Romans 12, 1 and 2. You can go ahead and turn in your Bibles, if you would, please. And, uh, and, and we won't stay there long, but, you know, when, when I was looking at this text, and we talked about it last week, you know, one of my favorite verses that I could just keep going on and going on and going on in regard to, to the Word is Romans 12, 1 and 2. Why is it so profound for me? Why, why does it minister to me? Because I think it's really our life. I think it's what we do in our life. And, and it says there, we beseech you, brethren. We beseech you, family, brothers, sisters. You heard it in the song. It says, by the mercies of God, by the love of God, that what he exhibits, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, comma, holy, comma, Acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, which is, and, and it's so interesting because last week when I was reading out of the New Living, this week in the King James Version, I like how they say, which is your rational service is actually what that means with reasonable. Be not conformed to this world, but be a transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And so when we, when we look at Romans chapter uh, 12, verse 2, I'm going to read it to you in, in another text here because I want you to, to hear it. It says this, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So we learned last week that to achieve what God wants for us is perfection, but we've got to please Him. So in what ways do we do that? How do we exhibit that in our life? By prayer. By reading the Word of God. By being faithful. By being in church. By making our spiritual life and our relationship with God our top priority. 
So today we're going to consider, last week we considered these three, but I only got to one, so I'll do the other two today. And we'll see how far we get. I might only get to two. I'm not real sure, but we'll see how it all goes. And uh, I'd like to welcome those that have never been here before. One thing about Pastor Todd is he has a way to follow rabbits down a trail. If he gets there, help him come back. Anyhow, I just listen to the Holy Spirit, and if we go that way, we go that way. So we'll go hunting, right? We'll go hunting together. And uh, here, are the, here are the three things, the three indicators of aspects of uh, being a disciple of Jesus. One, faith. Two, following. And then three, function. The first and possibly the most important is that a disciple must have faith in Jesus Christ. In John chapter 5, verse 24, says, I tell you the truth, those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have what? It says in the Bible that they have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death into life. When we come to faith, when we turn to Jesus, we are assured of eternal life. Our sins are forgiven. We pass from death to life. Now, in Galatians chapter 2, verse 16, rather, if you're writing notes or if you're following me in your Bible, it says this, we know that a person is made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ, not by obeying the law. We have believed in Christ Jesus so that we might be made right with God because of our faith in Christ, not because we have obeyed the law, for no one will ever be made right with God by obeying the law. Our faith in what Jesus has done for us sets us free. He has paid the price for our sin. We are reconciled to God in Christ Jesus. And part of having faith in Jesus is believing that what the Bible teaches us about him. Jesus is God. He was incarnate. He was born of a virgin. God in the flesh. He lived a perfect life without any sin. He willingly went to the cross and died there as a substitute for your sins and for mine. We deserve hell as the punishment for our sins. Yet Jesus paid the price for our sins, past, present, and future. The free gift of salvation is for all who trust in Jesus. We are saved by faith, not by our religious effort or moral accomplishments. It is God's gracious gift to us. Jesus physically rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven, and one day he will return. Are you thankful for the true gospel of Jesus Christ? You have been forgiven your sins because Christ was willing to die. You know, it's interesting because when I, when I think of this, you know, when, when you look at this and know that we have to have faith, church, listen, selling a church and buying a church is not always easy. Selling something and buying something is not always easy. And it, it amazes me that, you know, since we started New Hope, we'll be coming up on 14 years. Do not miss our anniversary this year. We will have the Deddy Sisters with us. What did you say, Pastor? I said the Deddy Sisters. And what are the Deddy Sisters? They're from Chillicothe, Ohio. And these little sisters, I went off a whip, can harmonize beautifully. Wouldn't it be great to see a little 10-year-old and an 8-year-old and a 5-year-old sing and harmonize so beautifully? Well, that's what you're going to experience. I've never had them, but to hear these little people sing, it's just such a blessing. Well, I want you to come. It's in September, but you know what? It's, it's those little things, those little people. Did you just call that girl a thing? I always call my, you know, my kids went to Disney one year. There I go. I'm going down that, that rabbit. I'm chasing it. 
We went to Disney and I put thing one, thing two, thing three, thing four. Hey, it's rough. Yesterday, Lindsay graduated. She doesn't want to wear the thing four shirt anymore. So we laid it to rest. Um, but, but one thing that I noticed in our life is that we live by the law. We have to live by the law because some of us just get out of control when we can't live by the law of the land. But you know what I love about God is that God says, my grace is all sufficient for you. He loves you. And when you think you can't do it on your own, you can't. But what's cool is you can do it through Christ. And that's the cool part about living a life in Christ. You're sitting in chairs right now that came from Riverside Drive in Akron, Ohio, because God said, you know what, I can do the impossible. And that's exactly what he did when we transferred from there to here. Amen. And when I stand outside and when I pull out, many of you, you don't know I have photos in my phone. We all have photos in our phone. But the other night we were replacing some of the lights out here. I had to just stop and take it in. 10 o'clock at night. Click, 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 click. I just wanted to see the church and what you've done and how you've implemented faith and what God has done in and through your life. Church, listen. When we live by faith, I couldn't do this by myself. I needed you. I needed the support and the encouragement to be able to do what I, I in my own power and will would say this could never happen. But with God, all things are possible. Hallelujah. Amen. And also, when the scripture says that in all things, nay, in all these things, we've been made more than conquerors through what? Through him who loved us. So when you're struggling, when you're going through a difficult time, that's when you take that step of faith. You know, and, and the little soul brother gets into you. Yeah. I, I really do believe I have some soul in me. You guys kind of noticed it on that song, didn't you? That's what makes it so much fun, doing some of these songs that my brother is really singing really well, and I'm trying to do my best up here. But, you know, it's great when, when you know that you can feel and know that Christ is really moving in us. So, number one, do you believe in your faith? Do you believe in the gospel of Christ? Do you believe when you sing there's power in his name and there's a good, good father, that he is good all the time, and then that we can say, holy, 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 wonderful Lord God Almighty, worthy is the lamb that was slain for us do we believe it and do we live it? That's part of our life. So number one is faith. And number two is the indicator is following Jesus. Acting like a disciple. How many of you want to be a disciple? We all do. We're all disciples. You take it. You learn it. You walk it. You teach it. You live it. So everybody else can see what's going on in your life. So number two, here it says, how do we act like a disciple? What do we do? Simply put, we need to follow Jesus and learn from Jesus. A disciple of Jesus is just this. Let me put it down in layman's terms. Let me just put it like this because it helps me. It's deep. It's theological. I had to write a thesis on it. Just kidding. It means follower of Jesus. Follower of Jesus. In Matthew 4.19, Jesus said, Come follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. Come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Matthew 8, 22, Jesus said, follow me now. Let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. Matthew 9, 9 says, as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up, and he followed Jesus. He left his job. He left his career. Matthew 10, 38, Jesus said, if you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you are not worthy of being mine. 
Matthew 19, 21, Jesus told him, if you want to be perfect, go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. Oh, I'm not done. John 8, 12 says Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. John 10, 27, Jesus said, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. John 12, 26, Jesus said, anyone who wants to serve me must follow me because my servants must be where I am and the father will honor anyone who serves me. So to be a disciple, to be a faithful follower of Jesus, we need to do what? To follow him and to learn from him. And church, the key point to what I just said was total surrender, giving your all to him, becoming exhausted, being tired. Here's the third point. I'm moving quickly here today, is function, a willingness to serve, function, a willingness to serve. A true disciple makes themselves available to God. When we do it for Christ, nothing is insignificant. Greeting people at the door, serving refreshments, operating the computer, all of this is examples of serving God in some way. There is no insignificant ministry in the kingdom of God. There are also no insignificant people in the body of Christ, only those who refuse to let God use them. Do you want God to use you? Hallelujah. Isn't that just a great thought? I mean, think about that. Okay, God, here I am. You've heard me say when you get to the end of yourself, you get to the beginning of, of God. Amen. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones once said, men and women no longer exist or exercise in sport as they used to. Instead, people tend to sit in crowds and just watch other people play. And I fear that the tendency is even presenting itself in the church. More and more we see people are just sitting back in crowds while one or two people are expected to be doing everything. Now that, of course, is a complete denial of the New Testament doctrine of the church as the body of Christ where every single member has responsibility and has a function, and it matters. French church is not meant to be a spectator sport. A faithful follower of Jesus should want to be more than a spectator. A disciple of Jesus should want to experience the blessings and, and to follow and to serve their God. We are called to be the church together, serving God and each other. It's more than a feeling of belonging. It's willing participation. When I look at this, and, and I think that we have churches today that are coming to just be spectators. Oh, how it grieves my spirit. And how it hurts me because, you know, I feel like, yes, laboring for Christ is hard. Picking up the cross of Christ. You pick up a cross, and I'm going to tell you it's going to get exhausting. I would like to maybe one day we'll have a cross. We'll put it in the back. I want you to carry it all the way up the driveway. By the time you get to the end of that driveway, you tell me if that cross was heavy or not. You'll probably be exhausted. You put 50 pounds, 150 pounds on your back, and you carry it like Christ did down the Via Della Rosa up to Golgotha, the place of the skull to give his life for us. Then you'll truly say, I am a follower. I've counted the cost, and I'm in a function now. 
And so here we are. We talked about faith. We talked about being a disciple and following him. And how do we function? Oh, church, I come before you and I plead before you today to say that in Psalms, it said that they grieved and that they cried for people that were were dying and going to hell. And yet we have no concern for people. We don't care. We'll come to church. We'll get fed. We'll leave full and we won't do anything with it. The latter part of the week. What has happened to churches that we have forgotten to help people that are hurting, that we have forgotten to help people that have hang-ups, that we have forgotten to help people with habits? Church, we've got to rise up. He's not dead. He's alive. And we've got to get active again. Oh, how it grieves my soul to think that we should be filling up these. Listen, I was so excited to have people here for Lindsay's graduation yesterday. You know why? It, it was because we were here at the church. You know what I wanted them to say? Ooh, look what you've been doing in there. This place is pretty. That's exactly right. Why? Because we want people to see what Jesus is doing in our lives. Because their lives matter. See, we have a tendency to sit back and say, but oh, they don't understand. I can't do that. There's more can'ts than there are can'ts. But let me tell you this. You can do all things. You've got this. It's exciting. And you know what? When you think that you can't, God will give you the ability to do it. And so when I looked at this sermon and I thought about this, I thought, you know, God, I have been different my whole life. I've been judged harshly, cruel. I mean, it's just I've been judged. But, oh, God, take the focus off of me, and help me to make my focus on you. Help me to be different in my faith and in my walk, in my talk, how I function, how I follow you. Let me tell you, ministry isn't always easy. Carrying the cross of Christ isn't easy. Oh, but the outcome is great. Because when I see people get saved and I see lives changed, then woo, there's something about that that gets us all charged up. That's the excitement about who God is. Are you proclaiming the gospel? You have the ability. Man, you're a winner, not a whiner. You're a victor, not a victim. You're highly favored. You're a child of the Most High God, and He loves you. You have the ability, the capability to do it. You've got this. You've got this. And when when hard things come your way, you know you've got this. God is with you. He's walking with you and he's talking with you. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I have faced and I have seen hardship. Church, listen, they say, and I don't know how the statistics have changed. One in every seven people have an addiction. So one in seven, you know what that means to me? That means that you're dealing with it. Look in this room. Stop for just a minute and look around. There's that one in the seven people that are here. And I'm here to tell you, you don't have to go through this alone. God will help you. He will deliver you. And he'll make you free. No longer will you be a victim to sin. No longer you'll be a victor walking in Christ. That's how he is. Hallelujah. So I say this. And as I conclude, but when I do this, I'm going to be playing a video here that just stirred within my spirit, moved me. And in church, let me 
before I conclude and get down here, I got something else to say. I'm coming back again. It's Father's Day. And mothers that are in here that had to step up and be a father, yes, I love you. (laughs) That's awesome. Listen, if you are a father in this room, if you're a mother and you've raised your kids and you're single, just know this, that you have a God who is the father to the fatherless. And no matter what hang-ups, hurts, habits you used to have, you, you you say to the old devil, oh, no, that's who I used to be. This is who I am now. I'm walking in newness of life. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. I'm excited that I, me, Todd, every day of my life is a renewal. I am not exempt. There is no special thing that all of a sudden, oh, look at him. He doesn't have to go through that. No, I'm tested in the same way you're tested. We all go through the same journeys together. The hardships are real. The hurt is real. And we're all there. Listen to this. I want you to put your faith to practice. I want you to put your life to practice. I want you to put your Christianity to practice. Instead of just saying that you're a follower of Christ, I want you to be a doer of Christ. You've got this. It's more than just saying we care. It's actually helping and doing. It's more than just saying we believe. It's faith and action putting into practice what God has taught us. It's more than just being served by others. It's having a servant heart, a kind heart, a generous heart. It's more than just saying you forgive. It's forgiving others as Christ has already forgiven you. It's more than just dreaming about reaching the lost. It's actually doing something to reach them. It's more than just being taught by the preacher. It's about inspiring others to learn and grow and to make disciples. It's more than just living for Christ. It's about growing spiritually in Him. It's more than just giving what you feel like. It's about sacrificial living for the glory of God. It's all about following Jesus as Savior and as Lord, learning how to live and to serve. It's about daring to be different. Daring to be a faithful follower. Daring to be a participant and not just Did you hear what I said? It's about daring to be different. Daring to be an active, faithful follower. Daring to be a participant, not just a passenger. And when people walked in and said, you did what in six weeks? I didn't do anything in six weeks. We did this in six weeks. I don't want to just be a passenger. I want to ride that train. We're all in it together. God before us, who shall be against us? Being a faithful follower is about dying to ourselves, our wants, our needs, and our desires. I want you to listen closely as I'm going to ask you a very, very, very sincere question. Have you cried for your family? Are you so different that they say, if that's Jesus, I don't want nothing. I don't want to be a part of their life. Oh, they have Jesus. That's exactly who I want to be a part of. If that's who he is, can I have what you have? 
When was the last time you groaned for your loved ones? And church, if you love them, you will tell them about the faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that you will be a follower of him. And you will function as a follower. Listen closely to a dear old pastor friend of mine as he shares his heart. matter to you that your unsaved loved ones are dying and we're getting closer and closer to the end. Does it really concern you? They could die and go to hell. Even though you're a lover of Christ? Where's the anguish? Where are the tears? Where's the mourning? Where's the fasting? Closer than that, does it matter about the Jerusalem that's in our own hearts? But one of the really sad things about this moment right now is that there are hundreds of you in this crowd who do not want your life to make a difference. All you want is to be liked. Maybe finish school, get a good job, find a husband or a wife, a nice house, a nice car, good vacations, grow old healthy, have a fun retirement, die easy, no hell. And that's all you want. You don't give a rip whether your life counts on this earth for eternity. That's a tragedy in the making. And I get 40 minutes to plead with you, don't buy it. With all my heart, I plead with you, don't buy that dream. I just want to be an ordinary Christian. I don't want to carry this kind of a burden. I don't want to have to weep over my family anymore. I'm going to go take it by faith. You see, you, you, you either walk away and go back to your passivity and say, I'm just going to be an ordinary Christian and there's no such thing. No anguish. No fasting, no prayer, no brokenness. Let's just do it. Our so-called awakenings, our stirrings, last but a short time. And when the last, when the short-lived revivings and awakenings come from the hand of God, they are so short-lived. And in those times, we promise God we'll never return to our passivity. But it's not long, it's just weeks or months and we're back and this time we slip further back into passivity than when we started. I speak from experience. And we say, this time, oh God, you've touched me for life. I'll never be the same. And it's like fireworks. A loud bang and a lot of noise and then it dies. 
That's all the devil wants to do is get the fight out of you and kill it. So you won't labor in prayer anymore. You won't weep before God anymore. You can sit and watch television and your family go to hell. Whatever happened to anguish in the house of God? Whatever happened to anguish in the ministry? It's a word you don't hear in this pampered age. You don't hear it. Anguish means extreme pain and distress. The emotion so stirred that it becomes painful. Acute, deeply felt inner pain because of conditions about you, in you or around you. Anguish. Deep pain. Deep sorrow. Agony of God's heart. A true prayer life begins at the place of anguish, a place where lifetime decisions are made. You see, if you, you set your heart to pray, God's going to come and start sharing your heart, His heart with you. He's going to open up His heart, and I'll tell you, there's pain in His heart. But He sees, and so few to hear. He's going to show you the condition of His church. He's going to show you the conviction to your own heart. And he's going to ask you a question. What is it to you? What is it? Why didn't God use them in restoration? Why didn't they have a word? Because there was no sign of anguish. No weeping. Not a word of prayer. It's all ruin. If it has not been born by the Holy Spirit, where when you saw and heard of the ruin... They drove you to your knees, took you down into a baptism of anguish where you began to pray and seek God. Then finally coming for street rallies here in the city and walk in the streets and then wind up on 42nd Street and see them selling a kind of heroin would kill you. Say, I've got the good stuff, it'll kill you. And I remember breaking down, and it didn't matter the crowds going by. I sat on a fire hydrant tape on the side of a building and wept. And I was in anguish. I was in anguish four blocks from here on Broadway, weeping and crying and wailing. I wasn't looking for a ministry. I wasn't looking to build a church. I was feeling God's pain for a lost city. And I've never had anything that's been any worse to God in my 50 years that wasn't born in agony. Never. Never. It's all been flesh otherwise. <laughs> and all our projects... All our ministries, everything we do, where are the Sunday school teachers that weep over kids they know are not hearing and they're going to hell? And I cry, oh God, where are the voices? Where are the people that cry out against them? Where are the praying people? And I say, God, whatever it takes, whatever it takes, keep me on my knees. There's going to be no renewal. 
no revival, no awakening until we're willing to let him once again break us. Did you hear what he said? There's going to be no nothing until once again he breaks us. In church, we've, we come to this place where I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you to do something. And if you'll just rise to your feet. I know that you have loved ones and that those that, that do not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. But you see, today, to dare to be different means that we cry out to them and that our heart yearns to see them come to the saving grace of Jesus Christ. It's not about coming here today. It's about coming here and repenting in Him and crying out that God would change the church. Being a faithful follower is about dying to ourselves, our wants, our needs, and our desires. To be a faithful follower, we need to give our lives completely to Jesus. To be a faithful follower, we need to let God work in us and through us to accomplish His purposes. To be a faithful follower, we need to faithfully follow Jesus and walk as He walked. And to be a faithful follower, we need to love and serve others as Jesus was willing to love and to serve. So my hope and my prayer is that the indicators, the evidence of different faith will be present in all of our lives. And that each day we will grow in our spiritual maturity. So may God help each and every one of us to be faithful followers, functioning together for his honor and for his glory. And as your pastor, may my heart continue to cry out, not just for this church. It's not about this building. It's about this community. Then may I weep within my spirit for your loved ones that are suffering because they need the living Christ. Oh, Dad. Oh, Father. Oh, Mom. Oh, Mother. Oh, Brother. Oh, Sister. Would you cry out in anguish? Because His day, His day is approaching soon. Let us pray. God, we love you and we thank you that you can help us to be different. So, Father, I I dare this congregation to do something they've never done before, to continue to take that step of faith. God, you started this church on a deck 13 and a half years ago. Led us to the YMCA, to the Court Cultural Center, to Riverside Drive, to Talmadge, Ohio. And, God, you are stirring within our hearts this church, the spirit of your people. Lord, let us fill this. Let those park in the grass. Let revival take place. Let a renewal take place. Help us to see this world as you see it. Help us to proclaim your truth. So, Father, I don't want to be conformed to this world. That I want to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That very one thing that is well-pleasing to you.
God speak to your people. There's some that are here today that are hurting. This altar is open for them. Would they come? And God, right now, stir within their spirits. If there's a loved one that they know that needs you, that needs help, may they come to this altar, take that step of faith, and move. Because their prayer matters. Lord, we love you. We honor you. And all God's people said,